0: When I broke down these readings From the second half of the uh, apostolic scriptures I deliberately took some And I broke them down into small sections We had a rough template From uh, from a congregation down in southern Saskatchewan Who read through the Gospels and Acts in one year And then the rest of the apostolic scriptures the next year And, and, and it was kind of funny the way some of it was arranged Like the whole book of Galatians They covered in one Shabbat <laughs> It I was like this is a big book and I mean there's some serious concepts in here and we don't want to skirt around those things so I'm not sure if you noticed but we took three shabbats to to dig into Galatians these are these are some other chapters maybe you noticed I broke down into small readings because they're so rich like um Revelation 1 2 just the revelation of Yeshua in that passage is is phenomenal and uh, same same with this one so let's begin looking at Revelation together Um, last week we looked this and we looked at this side of Yeshua that often doesn't get as much airtime it's like the tough side of Yeshua it's some um, it's the, the as the glorified son of god who who speaks authoritatively and who talks about things like killing Jezebel's children and removing a congregation, quote, like, you know, pictured by a menorah, out of its place. And he's really getting in the face of some of his people here. He's challenging some things. He's saying, I have certain things against you. And, uh, you, know, you know, often in, in our, uh, our mindset today, uh, maybe we look at that and we say, Wow, that guy sounds really legalistic. That guy's just, he's judgmental. You know, this guy is totally out of touch with grace, and he, he doesn't see people's hearts. All he's talking about is works and all of this. I mean, you know, sometimes if if, if someone were to come today and bring a, a prophetic message like this, we'd write the guy off right away. That can't be. That can't be Jesus. That's not my Jesus. You know. But this is this is our Jesus, and uh, we're going to continue looking at looking at what He has to say. Uh, we we looked at the tough side of Him. We also looked at the tender side of Him. You know, um, with His people who are suffering um, privations, uh, poverty, for instance, or persecution, physical physical torment as a result of their faith and their stand for Mashiach. He's so empathetic with them. He's so kind. He's so, he so speaks to their hearts. So there's definitely that side to him also that comes out. And uh, we see that also in the last three letters here of these, this series of seven letters to these seven congregations in Asia Minor what is today mo- modern-day Turkey. Um, there are three letters here to Sardis, Philadelphia and Laodicea. And uh, let's, let's look at those uh, for a moment here. Last Shabbat we also looked at the template uh... there's kind of a rough template for each one of these letters um, it begins with a description of Yeshua uh... some some um... distinctives of the son of Elohim it uh... he goes on to acknowledge certain things he acknowledges perhaps sufferings or he acknowledges uh... what a congregation is doing in a positive sense uh... he he gives something of an evaluation actually several times he says i have this against you or to one congregation he has uh, he has he has a few things against them. Uh, he gives a challenge. He says uh, change in this area. I'm 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 reproving you or rebuking you. Um, he gives a warning. If if you don't follow through with repentance, this is what is going to happen. Um, he he gives encouragement. He says if you if you come through with this one, if you win then this is what your experience is going to be, uh, not only in this world, but in the world to come. Uh, One of the things we talked about last Shabbat, and we can watch for this also as we go through these letters, is this is actually an excellent model for conflict resolution scenarios, uh, whether it be in interpersonal relationships in general, whether it be your spouse or a family member or a colleague at work. Um, If you have issues to work through, you'll notice that Yeshua doesn't just straight off say, okay I have some serious problems here guys and this is the problem um, he, he begins by uh, establishing a context so he says I acknowledge this about you this is a good thing and I affirm this in you and he starts on a positive note he gives some encouragement and then he goes on in the, the, the middle of the, the 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 discussion to say and these are some things that I have against you and um, this is what, this is what the consequences could be if you don't change and then that's not where he ends it, again, like we talked about last, uh, last Shabbat. He doesn't end on a low note. He ends on a high note. He ends with encouragement. He ends with a, a positive outlook. He says, and you know, it's almost like you can hear him saying, I believe in you guys and this is where I see you going. This is the potential that you have. Um, and then he gives some very very poetic, uh, summarized promises for the believers who, who come through the uh, and overcome the, the tests and the challenges that, that, they, that they face. So that, that's a very useful thing, I know, like even in relationships, you know, not just to just to don't just bomb in and be like, hey, I have some serious issues and this is what they are. You can catch a person kind of unawares. You know, you want to affirm the relationship. You want to say, this is what I feel good about. And then in, the, in a safer context where a person knows there's some relational security happening here, uh, you, can, you can go on to wade through difficulties or, or, or issues. And, of course, as a young husband, this is stuff I'm learning about, right? So um, this is, I'm talking to myself here just in case you were wondering. Yeah. So let's, let's look at these letters. In uh, 3 verse 1, he says, I know your heart. I know your heart. That's not what he says. He says, I know your deeds. So, uh, again, this is something, uh, a theme from last week in Yeshua's previous letters that we read. He, he, he begins by, by pointing out deeds. In the, uh, the Hebrew word for deeds is ma'asim. Everybody say ma'asim. Okay, ma'asim is translated as three different words in English, which makes it challenging deeds, works, and actions. It's all of these things. In Hebrew, it kind of has a more consolidated concept behind it because it's just one word. So, you know, when you hear about works, it means your actions. What are you doing? And uh, that's the first thing that Yeshua points out. So, this is something I need to hear all the time. You know, because we, we, we we, I think for many of us, we grew up in a grace culture. And we 're very strong in grace, and that's a good thing. Uh, we have a very clear understanding of the fact that we are justified by faith in uh, Mashiach's completed atonement uh, we're very strong in positional righteousness generally speaking and uh, and, and you know we, we talk about the heart a lot, and that's good, but sometimes we we forget that Yeshua also places an emphasis on action. We have an action-oriented Savior. Uh, He places a very high level on what we're doing for Him, in the sense of applying the Torah to our lives, uh, furthering the Kingdom in practical ways, uh, serving each other and serving our community. Uh, Mitzvot, doing the commandments, things like this would would be some examples of Ma'asim in uh, in that Hebrew con- um, concept, here's a, here's something interesting. Okay, um, I just mentioned a couple doctrines. Like we have the jo- the doctrine of grace, the grace of God. We have the doctrine of justification by faith. We have the doctrine of um, positional righteousness. Uh, like I don't, I'm not going to break those down because we know we know what those are. Uh, you know because many of us grew up in congregations where the Pauline epistles were emphasized and were preached on a lot these are things that we really don't have to have explained to us and so I feel like these letters from Yeshua are balancing out the equation I mean really really it almost seems like contradictory sometimes like okay we have the concept in Ephesians that we are made alive in Christ right we are alive together with him and yet here Yeshua is saying to his people You're dead. Loggerheads. It almost sounds like loggerheads, doesn't it? It's just an example that, uh, you know, there's a big picture here to think about. There's like our position, there's the positional side, but there's also the aspect of working out who we are and our position in Messiah. So it's possible to be alive in Messiah and still to be dead, not only as individuals, but as a community. Uh, That's a a frightening thing. Um, 3 verse 1 he uh... he goes on to say wake up strengthen the things that remain which are about to die i haven't found your maasim your deeds completed in the sight of my god I, i'd really like to know what the situation was in that community you know they were doing some things i don't know what that was but he says guys it's not complete so uh... you've only gone part way and um, I, I i fear this this is a warning for me because uh you know for many of us we, it's like you discover the Torah and you begin to apply the Torah to your life and it's such a joy like it's such a journey of discovery and it's such a meaningful way of expressing our devotion to Mashiach and it's too easy for us to be like hey you know I'm doing some basic Torah stuff and now I can just I've kind of arrived and I can just sit back and relax and, and what, I, what I hear Yeshua may be saying to me sometimes and to many of us who are discovering Torah is keep going Keep pressing in in your observance. Keep growing. Um, don't just go halfway. I just, I wonder if Yeshua was to look at our observance, I wonder if he wouldn't sometimes say, I haven't found your ma'asim, your deeds, your application of the Torah, complete yet. I wonder how often he would say that if he were to, to evaluate that. And of course, we know, you know, our, our observance of Torah, our deeds, that's just, that comes from the heart, right? So maybe for me sometimes, if there are areas where I'm just really lax in my observance, it's not about just doing stuff differently. It's about saying, maybe this, is an, maybe this is a symptom of something in my heart. Maybe an area in my heart has grown cold. Maybe I've just become lax towards the Father and I've lost that devotion. I don't know. Those, those, are, those are some examples. Um, in verses 8... In 15, in his, the other two letters, he again, same thing. He, he says, I know your deeds. So that's a big theme there. Um, he gives a warning. He gives a challenge and a warning in 3 verse 3. The challenge is repent. So in other words, pull a 180, turn around, and the warning is, if you don't, I'm going to come on you unexpectedly. Kind of like if, you, if, you, if you've ever, I don't, have any of you ever experienced a B&E? Have you ever had a burglary in your house or something? Okay, Yeshua says, you know that feeling you had, you were not expecting that, you had no idea what happened? That's what it's going to be like. And that's, uh, that's terrifying. Um, 3 verse 4, he, uh, he goes on to give a very positive, and on a positive note, he says, you do have some in your community who haven't soiled their garments and they're going to walk with me in white because they're worthy. It's kind of interesting. As believers, we can actually deserve to walk with him. We can be worthy to walk with him, of that. You know, to have that, that intimate rapport with him and we can also disqualify ourselves uh... from that three verse five he gives a terrifying warning Uh, it's in in the positive context he says um, for those who overcome i won't erase his name from the book of life ouch did you even know he could do that and it's like yeah my name it's in the book of life you know i have my eternal security i'm sad i'm going to heaven when i die and yeshua says if you don't overcome, you may be in danger of having me delete your name from my heavenly hard drive. Erase your name from the book of life. I don't know, like, you're familiar with the doctrine of eternal security. Um, it's, 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 it's an idea, I'm not going to say it's true, but some people say, you know, once saved, always saved. If you've prayed the sinner's prayer, and you've asked Jesus into your heart, then you're going to heaven, and it doesn't matter what you do, and you can't change it. And uh, I'm not going to say whether I agree with it or not. It's a big concept. All I would say is, every every one of our theologies have to factor all the verses in. And when Yeshua talks about people whose names are written in the book of life, and then He goes and He personally erases that person's name, that's terrifying. That's terrifying. Yeah. Um, 3 verse 12 I like how Mike read that because he read that verse with the, 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 some of the, the Hebrew uh, pronunciations. Yeah. Yeshua is talking um, this is definitely a very uh, this is only something that can only be understood in a Jewish context, really. He starts talking about temp- the temple and Jerusalem and the name of God. These are Hebraic concepts. Um, these are things that Jewish people value, the concept of the temple is something that Jewish people value. The concept of Jerusalem is something that Jewish people value. And what we discover here is it's not just something that Jewish people value historically. This is something that all of Yeshua's disciples value. Um, apparently there's going to be a temple in the future. Yeshua is kind of using this. And who is to say if he's just using this as an analogy. But he's talking um, These are things that people who maybe have lost the Temple, maybe the Temple was destroyed just a couple of decades before that, these are things that are very meaningful. Um, Talking about the Temple, talking about the New Jerusalem, of course, by the time these letters were written, Jerusalem was sacked by the Romans, totally destroyed, and Yeshua talking about a New Jerusalem. Uh, Of course, you know that, that concept of new in Hebrew can also mean renewed, based on the context. So think about that. A renewed Jerusalem. One of our hopes as believers in Yeshua is the hope of a renewed Jerusalem, of a future temple, of the name of God being written upon us. God's name is a Hebrew name, by the way. So if people have problems with the Hebrew language, just tell them, Well, you know, if you're a believer, then um, He wants to write a Hebrew word on you at some point in the future. So you better, better get used to that idea. <laughs> um, Three verse. Here's three verse. Nineteen. This I think was the verse that most jumped out at me. Uh, as as we were looking at the tough side to Yeshua, um, he says he, he gives an explanation. He says, okay, so when he reproves us, when he gets in our faces, when he challenges us or calls us on the carpet or points out areas where our our deeds are incomplete or when where he has things against us, all of this language, he says he says why he does that. It's because he loves us so that's meaningful you know that's meaningful Um, we can't always tell ourselves that if we're at work and our boss calls us on the carpet we can't say well you know this hurts but I know that my boss really loves me and so he's getting in my face about this but but this is so this is different this is Yeshua our bridegroom who betrothed us to himself and he's saying there are going to be times when I'm going to have very frank words with you I am going to rebuke you and it's coming from my love for you I passionately love you and so I'm real with you and uh, I address these matters with you is a uh, kind of the idea there so he says therefore be zealous and repent so uh, what do we learn from this we learn that repentance is something that it takes some oomph you, you, you really got to get geared up sometimes to repent like I, I don't know have you ever experienced that like okay I'm tired this morning I do not feel like being zealous about anything. I, I, I feel most zealous this morning about curling up in, in a fetal position in a corner somewhere, okay? That's what I feel zealous about. But, you, but what, I, what I hear here is like Yeshua was saying there are times when like if we're going to repent, if we're really going to go for God, if we're going to like change our lifestyles, it takes oomph. Like you really got to gear up for that, you know? And, um, and engage our hearts. And... Um, Man, that's a challenge I need to hear sometimes, that's for sure. Um, How many of you have heard this verse in the context of this four spiritual laws? Yeshua is saying, I'm standing at the door knocking. Open the door and I'm going to come in, right? And what do we we get from that? Um, Usually we'll say, well, you know, if you want to become a believer, then what's the classic phrase for becoming a believer? You ask Jesus into your heart. Uh, really, how many of us have used that phrase at some point or another? How many of us have asked Jesus into our heart? You know, I, I grew up in a Yeshua believing home. I remember when I was young, um, I, I remember like there was one point where I very intentionally prayed with my dad and mom to become a believer in Yeshua. It was a very special day. It really was. Um, I also remember sometimes I'd be running around as a little boy in our basement building forts and doing the things that little boys doing, and I just think, you know, I remember just kind of praying as I'd be running around and asking Jesus into my heart, just to make sure He was there. It's kind of something I would do every now and then, just to make sure He was there, you know? And I mean, that's cool, but for me, the concept of being a disciple was basically asking Jesus into my heart. And, and I, you know, that's a great place to start, opening your heart, opening the depths of who you are to the Savior giving yourself over to Him. But at the same time, I feel like sometimes our gospel of pray the sinner's prayer and ask Jesus into your heart and you will be saved and go to heaven when you die, that's a false gospel. Sometimes. At the very least, it's incomplete. It's a good place to start, but it's not a good place to finish. And um, so we hear here, is not actually talking to unbelievers. This verse is addressed to believers. So I guess just asking Jesus into your heart once when you become a believer, it's not enough. He's saying, "I'm standing here, guys, talking to a community of believers in Him. Some of these people have probably been disciples for several decades." He's saying, "I'm standing here. If you hear my voice and if you open that door, I'm going to come in and I'm going I'm to feast with you." Um, I'm trying to think what 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 would that would mean to um, to people with Hebraic thinking. Um, the idea of eating together doesn't just mean you know um, putting some getting some food from the plate into your stomach so that you can. Uh, get back to work, whatever. It has the the context of sharing life together in a very meaningful way. Fellowship, eh? Um, I, I think sometimes in our culture, maybe the closest dynamic equivalent would be doing coffee. We talk about doing coffee. Now, when we say, let's do coffee, are we talking about, let's sit there and... And um, transport coffee from the mug into our mouths together as a physical act. I mean, duh, it's, it's not really, that's really not the point. What the point is, you have a you have, you, that's okay, and sometimes it's not even coffee, right? The whole idea in our culture is you do that and you talk, you catch up with each other. You, you, uh, you kind of do life a bit, eh? And so I, I kind of wonder, maybe to some degree that's what Yeshua was talking about. So, I mean, I, I think doing coffee is a little, it's like a lighter version of fellowship. But still, when I think about that, if I can imagine my rabbi saying to me, you know, I, I'm going to call you on the phone later today, so make sure you hear the call and pick it up, because I want to do coffee with you. Mm-hmm. I like to think of it in those terms. Yeah, it's kinda, it kind of makes it more meaningful to me when I think of it in, in my cultural uh, context. Yeah. Uh, in, moving on in uh, Revelation chapter 4. Um, w- one of the themes we've been discussing in an on, on, ongoingly in our congregation is the theme of, of, of Aliyah. Aliyah means what? Going up. Going up that's right. And um, we have this theme in verse 1. So he hears this, this, this voice, and it sounds like a shofar blast, and he says, Come up here. In other words, make Aliyah. Go up. And I'll show you what must take place after these things Immediately I was, where? In the spirit In the Ruach So um, I, just, I, I hear a connection here I hear a connection between hearing his voice And making Aliyah, going up And, and, and being in the spirit I, just, I, I think about those, co- those, those three themes and they're so connected in so many ways. What would be an example? Um, when we go up to read from the Holy Torah from, at the bima the, the reading lectern, we call that making aliyah in, in the synagogue world, right? Uh, what's, what, so what are the other two themes? There's the concept of making the aliyah, of going up, and there's this theme of hearing His voice, which definitely applies in the context of reading the Torah, proclaiming it publicly in the congregation, and then that third theme of being in the Spirit, Wow, that is so fitting too, isn't it? What did Yeshua say? My, spirit, my words are spirit. Um, what did Paul say? The scriptures, including the Torah, were written in the spirit. They were written in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Um, what would be some other examples? Yeshua, it says that He made Aliyah from the Mount of Olives all the way up into the heavens. And the disciples watched Him make Aliyah. And in that context... Um, he was definitely in the spirit. He went up in the spirit. Um, what, would be, what would be another example? When someone, ideally, when someone makes aliyah and they go up to the land of Israel, let's say the whole, the whole nation of Israel, when they went up from Egypt to Israel, um, that, that happened in conjunction with hearing the voice of the Almighty at Mount Sinai and through His prophet Moses. And it also happened in... And, and, um, they also had a real spiritual encounter. It was a very spiritual experience. So I just I see this kind of these three threads interwoven uh, throughout the scriptures and throughout our history as a people, making Aliyah, hearing His voice, and being in the Spirit. That jumped out at me. I, I, I want to pray about that for a second. Uh, 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 Yeshua, thank you, thank you that you are in our midst. Thank you that you are the one who immerses us in the Spirit. Thank you that you are the one who. Calls us to go up Thank you Abba That when you raised Yeshua from the dead When you caused him to make Aliyah From the grave We went up with him Thank you for that Thank you Yeshua That we have been raised with you To, to, uh, to be with you in the heavens And um, I, I pray that this would be An ongoing experience in our lives As individuals and families And as a community Father Hearing your voice Making Aliyah to you And um, being in your spirit and I pray that You would set us free, Abba, from things that would hold us back from hearing Your voice and from going up. I pray that You would set us free, Father, that You would show us obstacles, that You would sever chains and cut shackles that would bind us. And thank You, Father, that You're doing that. Thank You that You are setting Your people free. In the body, of Messiah, here here in our city, bless you for that, Abba. I feel that something you're speaking over your people in the city today, and we thank you for it, Father. We celebrate what you're doing with the with the body, of Messiah, Abba. Praise your name. In um, Revelation four five, we have this picture of um, the throne, and there's like. I, don't know, I love lightning storms, so this is meaningful to me. But there's like this massive lightning storm around the throne. Like there's lightning flashing and there's thunder rolling, and uh, it says there are seven lamps of fire burning before the throne. And what are they? The seven spirits of Elohim. And uh, how many? How many? How many? Um, fire? How many like lamps of fire are there burning on the menorah? There's seven. So here's another threefold connection that I've been contemplating this week as as I've been in prayer and stuff. Um, there, there's this three, this trifold concept of the menorah and the seven lamps on it, the the seven spirits of Elohim, and then us as a community, a community of disciples. You remember Revelation chapter one? It says the menorah, the seven fires. That's a picture of us as a community. So there's this connection between the menorah. The seven spirits that anointed Mashiach, and anoint us, and then us as a community. And uh, I just feel like that's really deep. There's, I know. I, 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 honestly, I'm not through meditating on that one, so I'm not going to give you all the conclusions, but let's just, let's just contemplate that this week. Yeah, it's just, it blows me away though that the seven spirits that were on Messiah, those spirits are on us as a community. And maybe, maybe it, maybe it isn't like you or me walking around, and it's like, yeah, I've got all seven spirits on me. I don't know. Maybe different aspects of who he is and different um, giftings of his spirit manifest through different people at different times. You know, I, I love that concept that we like we work that we interwork with each other as a as a community, and he orchestrates that. And then one other thing from Revelation in um, four verse five. And 6, he goes on to see these, um, the Hebrew word for them is Chayot, everybody say Chayot Chayot. Yeah, something that's alive, like a living being, is a Chay So if you wanted to say Yeshua is alive in Hebrew, you say Yeshua Chay Um, The plural of that is Chayot and. Basically it's like these living beings, they're so alive and it says there are four of them and then he describes them and it's notable that these are the same living beings that the, the, the ancient prophets of Israel, uh, Yeshayah or Isaiah and Yehezkel or Ezekiel saw I just, That just blows me away like people sometimes are almost like teleported to some degree into the spiritual dimensions and into like the heavenly uh, throne room and these these things they never stop. Like they don't go to bed at night. It was centuries after Isaiah and Ezekiel saw they were like transported into the spiritual dimension and they saw these things. Yohanan is also transported from this little Alcatraz style prison island and they're still there. And they're still shouting about What does it say? Kados, kados, kados. They're still shouting about how holy Yahweh is. I mean, really, can you imagine being like a living being that is like awe-inspiring? Like, seriously, can you imagine if one of these guys flew over Prince Albert, like we would all be screaming at the top of our lungs, like forty thousand people. Like awe-inspiring. I can't even imagine what it would feel like to be one of those creatures. Like I remember when I would timber frame and I'd be like tossing around massive beams all day and then I'd go home and I'd pump iron for like half an hour an hour. And I felt really powerful. I did. It was a great feeling, you know? And I mean I wasn't that I wasn't that big, but these guys are massive. Like if you can imagine the work they could accomplish they must be so, I don't know, I just I wonder how they feel. I I am and they have they're covered in eyes and they have these different like um man, and just to think like these guys, they're blown away by the holiness of Yahweh. All they do for centuries and centuries is like they shout about how holy he is. Wow. He's he just it's like this little glimpse of how awe-inspiring he is. I am spitting. It's good you stood, you, you sat back there. It, it's just how awe-inspiring he is, and like how much he deserves it. Like I don't know. I I, I some days go by. Like okay, in in the in the Jewish world, you uh, you pray three times a day, right? And uh, there's a prayer called the Kedushah. And that's where you repeat these words of the, the chayot, the living beings, and you say kadosh, 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 and um, and you just every day you proclaim the holiness of the Creator of the universe. You um, you acknowledge that, and it's kind of like for a brief moment reflecting just a little glint of of, of, of the worship that's happening in heaven. And I admit, some days I don't do kedusha. Some days I don't even talk about His holiness. But just to think that, like, like in the most real reality. For these beings that have like the clearest perspective that you could almost ever have of like all eternity, they're just blown away by his holiness. Like this is the ultimate reality. I don't know. And some days I don't even think about his holiness barely. Man. I just feel like some days I feel more like a chicken with no head. You know, I'm like I'm running around and I can't even cluck because I don't have a head. And and it's like just so out of touch with like the bigger picture and with the overwhelming awesomeness of the holiness of Elohim. And I want to pray about that. Um, Abba, thank you. Thank you so much that we can just study your word and that we can dig in and that we can, we can seek you. And uh, I really desire to be more overwhelmed with who you are, Yahweh. I, I really desire just to have worship flowing from my spirit to you day and night. I, I really desire to be a little more like these chayot and just to be, to realize my ultimate purpose of worshiping you eternally, Yahweh, and proclaiming your holiness. And I, I, I pray I pray that you would show us your holiness more. I pray, please, that you would give us a vision of your holiness, Yahweh. I pray that your your spirit would rise up in us and worship and praise throughout the week. Thank you that you're enthroned on the praises of Israel. Thank you that we can make your praise glorious. And I, I pray that your spirit in us would rise up to that occasion, Yahweh. And uh, thank you for it. Thank you that just for these times when we can hear your voice and we can go up in the spirit and we can just we can sense for like even a moment or two um, ultimate reality and what we're going to be doing forever. Thank you so much for that, Abba. Praise your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this message. I pray that it's been an inspiration to you and your discipleship to Yeshua the Messiah. Crown of Messiah is a relatively small congregation with a massive mission. We're not just making disciples and teaching the Word of God here in our city. We're also doing that internationally through vehicles such as the internet. It is our joy to offer you these messages for free at absolutely no charge. At the same time, we do have ongoing overhead expenses. It costs us something to produce these teachings and get them out to you. And we would appreciate it if you would in turn support our work in a practical way. Help us cover some of our basic expenses. You can do that by going to our website, crownofmessiah.com, and going to the donate page, where you can make a one time donation or you can set up a monthly automated donation. I'm reminded of the words of Yeshua's Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 6. He said, Let the one who is taught the word share everything good with his teacher. So if you're being taught the word by us, we would appreciate it if you would take the words of Yeshua's Apostle seriously and make some type of return for the blessing that we are giving you for free that way we'll all be in it together and we will be a team accomplishing the mission that Yeshua has given us and you will go from only being a receiver to also being a giver if you're like most people finances are tight we understand that finances are tight for us too That's why we need people like you to come alongside us and to back us in the work that Yeshua has called us to do. Thank you so much for making that donation at CrownOfMessiah.com and thank you for becoming a team member with us. We appreciate it.